This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. I really appreciate him for the trust because um, that's one thing like in football, that's probably the main thing that you need is trust. You know what I'm saying? And I appreciate him for trusting me and uh, uh, he knows that I trust him tremendously. Tr- tremendously. Any decision he makes, like I know that it's at the, the forefront of what's best for the team um, and uh, I'm excited to build with him and I think it's going to be a great, great um, dynasty hopefully we build. And um, I'm excited for that. Dynasty. Dynasty. Use the, the D word. We're going to get a – we're hoping for a dynasty. I don't mind that. I don't, I don't mind that line of thinking at all. It's a – as you pointed out, Seth, it is a very grabby word if you put it in a headline or use yeah, it on a yeah. YouTube or whatever. It's a very grabby word. But I like that it was organically used by CJ because that, that's where his mindset should be. That, if you're a Texan fan, you should feel good that that's his mindset because that appears to me, man, I want to be a Texan for a long, long time. Like, this is where I want to do it with D'Amico yeah, you know, Ryans. No, uh, as a Gen Z kid, though, I don't know what his definition of dynasty is. Uh, it, it evolves over the years and through uh, different eras of free agency and everything. He might be thinking of dynasty as just like, you know, yeah, super competitive for a long time. Whereas yeah, in the old days, it was, no, you got to win. You got to win. Uh, what was UCLA's dynasty? Oh, jeez, they, they were, won like 10 in a row. Like, it was, it was crazy. It was 9 in 11 years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 10, whatever it was. It yeah. was absurd. Like, yeah, it's a dynasty. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think he was probably using dynasty loosely in terms of just like, yeah, I want to have a long stretch here. The question had been asked in such a way that if I recall properly, the question was kind of asked like, is it cool that you're going to be able to, you know, have the same head coach, the same quarterback for presumably a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, So in his mind, he was kind of led down that path to thinking, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's 15 years. You know, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully it can be like the entire like if if Tomlin had come in in Roethlisberger's rookie year, yep, something like that, except with fewer motorcycle accidents and maybe a little better control over the diet and uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, and other things. Absolutely, yeah, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just other about. things, yeah, yeah, facial hair, whatnot, yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, C.J. Stroud. Uh, this was pretty cool. And, and if you're a Texan fan who's hoping that Bobby Slowick sticks around for another year, that Gerard Johnson sticking around, which is an issue now because teams are coming after Gerard Johnson. Uh, CJ had some really, really cool things to say about both guys yesterday. This is a this is a story he told about Gerard Johnson and just how far back he goes with Gerard. When I was 16 at Lee Levin, we did like this little like circle group. It was like all the quarterbacks in my group. And Gerard's one thing for me was like, 
be confident because at that time, like, I wasn't really the highest recruit. I wasn't uh, who I who I will become. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I always knew that it would be a possibility, but I didn't I didn't hear it out like those type of the drops. I looked up to like he played at Texas A&M. I knew that um, and stuff like that. And when he was like, "Man, you need to be more confident," like, and it was just like it changed my life. You know what I'm saying? And from there, like, fast forward, I'm here with him my rookie year. Um, it's been just a, a blessing to work with him. That's really cool. I mean, he went on for two minutes about Gerard Johnson. That was a, yeah. an abridged version of what he was saying about Gerard yesterday. Yeah, and that part, the two, just like him saying, you need to have more confidence. Like, I don't, it's it's funny. I don't know. Um, that can land different ways with different kids. I, like the fact that CJ, maybe for the first time in his life, maybe it was presented to him or he realized like, oh, wait a second, I can choose to have confidence. It's not just something that people naturally have. Uh, like, it's really, I think it's really cool is uh, a as kind of a uh, an illustration of what CJ's like too that you can give that advice to a lot of people you know oh, just be more confident okay <laughs> so like all right yeah i'll just i'll i'll get right on that bud so the thing that i like about Gerard if i'm interviewing Gerard if i'm another team and i'm thinking about having Gerard as my offensive coordinator or what yeah. have you Gerard does have a different perspective on things because he worked with high school athletes as a for a long time in that capacity with the elite 11 as a private coach all of that i think he's just had more reps at it than most coaches do most coaches you've got the guys on your team you know maybe you work a camp in the summer or something but you don't necessarily get to see the diversity of issues or obstacles or just personalities and i think gerard in doing that has probably developed i mean it, it sounds like from the way people talk about him, he's really developed a way of of, uh, of working with the kids. I say kids, um, but working with with young quarterbacks. Yeah, I hope he stays. Uh, you know, for uh, similar to Slowick for at least another year. Um, here is C.J. Stroud on Bobby Slowick's attention to detail. Bobby, um, somebody who when I came in, man, I knew that um, he was gonna uh, push me hard. He was gonna be hard on me. He was he held me at a standard all year. Held me accountable because I mean, a lot of times, man, when you're playing good ball. Um, guys, they, they kind of like let you do what you do and like leave you alone. Um, but Bobby, man, he was always on me about like the little details um, in my position. You know what I'm saying? I, I appreciated that, you know, because you don't always get that. And he always just was hard on me, uh, but also showed me a lot of love, man. Yeah, so, that, I, that that goes both ways. You don't you don't often get that from a coach, but there's not a lot of quarterbacks who accept that type of criticism too that are performing at the level CJ was performing at this year. It, it reminded me of Bill O'Brien used to say about Tom Brady was that he's hard to coach because he expects a lot of coaching. Like he, he, like he wants, he wants to be pushed and stressed. And I think that that's, that's one common element from guys from both Kubiak and Shanahan. You hear from the quarterbacks, honestly, you heard this from Brock Osweiler and he said it as a way of taking a backhanded. It seemed like a backhanded swipe at Bill O'Brien, but he had mentioned that one thing that would happen in Denver was they were they really drilled the techniques and the ba- the technique and the basics and and the reason is because in this offense everything's tied to your footwork if your footwork's not right then your timing's not right and your reads aren't right like ideally all of your reads are tied to your footwork and not only does it help you with the timing of where the reads are going to be and where your receivers are going to be but it helps put your feet in the right spot so you can throw accurately and that's one of the things that makes the system go. So we were talking earlier about, you know, okay, well, is it as simple as just putting in a Kubiak-Shanahan system and off you go? 
only if you really, really, really just obsess over the details. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think it's both a testament to CJ and Bobby that they're both wired that way. And like you said, that that CJ's receptive to it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Bobby Slogan might get a head coach job somewhere else and he might get a quarterback that's like a, a Jay Cutler, you know? Yes. Like, like, would, would Jay Cutler have been receptive to that level of coaching? Probably I don't know. not. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Just judging by his facial expressions, <laughs> I'm going to say no. I feel there'd be a lot of sneering there. Yes. Yes, absolutely. What if, what, if, what if Cutler's just a guy that had the poor fortune of having a face that just looked like it's in a sneer? Like he's got a perma sneer face, but what if he's. What if he's not actually sneering on the inside? He's, he's he's like just a little he's a wide-eyed puppy dog waiting to waiting to take in love, but his ex- exterior won't show it. Then he was misunderstood for his entire NFL career. He was yeah. misunderstood on Very Cavalry. He's yeah, been misunderstood in every single social situation by, he's ever been. By, by Ms. Cavalry herself. Apparently. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. to that relationship. That's right. Um. So along those lines, Bobby Slowick. Okay. So. There were eight job openings. There have been eight coaches fired or agreed to part ways with during this hiring cycle. New England has their new head coach, Gerard Mayo. Vegas has their new head coach, who's their interim head coach from last year, Antonio Pierce. Tennessee, as we pointed out several times on the show today, appears to be hiring Brian Callahan, the Bengals OC. So there's there's five openings left. And it's interesting, Seth, because it feels like throughout this whole hiring cycle, maybe up till the Baltimore game on Saturday, is that it wasn't a question of if Bobby Slowick was going to get an offer from somebody. It was a question of, will Bobby Slowick turn down offers to be a head coach? It felt like a lot of people thought it was a given that Bobby Slowick was going to get one of these jobs. We're now down to five jobs. Yeah. And Atlanta appears to be very, very engaged with Bill Belichick right now. You know, we'll see if that plays out but they're also talking to who was the other person they're talking to i forget I harbaugh know. they're gonna bring i think they're gonna yeah, bring they are harbaugh they, no, they've interviewed check. harbaugh yeah, yeah, they, yeah they've interviewed yeah. him once um yeah. harbaugh has been tied heavily to the chargers mm-hmm. so those are two that at least appear to be somewhat down the road with potential like big big name candidates yeah yeah and then you've got seattle washington and carolina I, Carolina, I like. I'm skeptical. Bobby Slowick would take that job just because of the nature of the job. It's as you've said, you would lose great respect for him if he took that job. <laughs> yeah, I would, or maybe he would know something that we don't. You know, they just hired uh, Dan Morgan, that old uh, linebacker that got concussed all the time. He's their GM now. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Hopefully, he's concussions over. don't affect. Please over the concussions. Making. I was just gonna say he got, he got concussions every other week, like back when they used to not diagnose yeah. concussions, which means I'm guessing he had a concussion every single week of his life. Right. Um. They. Uh, the, yeah. The thing about the ownership and the way they've treated the quarterback position and their coaches, I, I would just be surprised if he thinks that that's the spot he needs to run to. As far as the Atlanta situation and the Chargers situation, yep. I just I get. I get very, very skeptical of the way things look they're going. You know, like whenever we talk about, remember J.J. and people monitoring his free agency when J.J. Watt was a free agent. Arizona was never once listed on the potential teams that he was going to. And people started to have their list of like, well, it's looking like he's going here. Mm-hmm. Or, well, it looks like it's narrowed down to these three teams. And all of a sudden, he breaks the news that he's going to Arizona. Yeah. So I think some of the – like, I would give some of these teams – like, I have no idea which ones they would be, but some of these teams are going to maybe just be – 
have a lot of discretion about this and be in, you know very closed-lipped about it, and you just won't know until they hire the guy. Yeah, I, I guess that would be the one thing I'd say about Belichick in Atlanta and Harbaugh with the Chargers is they've been very public about talking to the you know they posted on their social that we just interviewed him and things like that. Um, you, you know, there yeah. there's actual interviews going on with these guys and these two teams. It's not Texans just were at, the Texans were adding people to their list of finalists. <laughs> They added After the guy they, they hired. <laughs> they, the guy they hired last year was someone that was added the at the time yeah. they hired him. <laughs> the Texans were very public and had very a lot of transparency in the weirdest way ever. Yeah. Uh, they, they narrowed down the list of finalists and then added more finalists. Yeah. Yeah. It was that, you know what it felt like? It felt like a bad reality TV show where they come. Yeah. Sometimes you watch some of these TV, sh these reality shows where you can tell the producers don't like the way it's going. So they just add new rules as you go along. Yeah. We're like, oh, no, it turns out we're bringing back three contestants from week one. And we're going to also give them hammers to hit these contestants in the head with because we hate them. Hey, yeah. as long as we're talking about CJ, where do you come out? Well, you and I haven't talked about this on the air. Or off the air, I think. the This Wall Street Journal article that came out this weekend where we had the S2 test administrators yeah. basically like shouting from the rooftops like, no, CJ's test was invalid. It was invalid. It was I invalid. swear it was yeah, invalid. Yeah. yeah, like where were you in April when he was getting dragged through the mud? Like you've been shouting it since he became the leader for Offensive Rookie of the Year that it was invalid. You know, the owners of that test, or at least one of the guy that was doing the most interviews, he had made the point that there were a couple guys whose tests were done under weird circumstances or different circumstances, and they might not be valid. So I'll, I guess I'll give them partial credit that they kind of owned up to it, but I... The, they, I feel like they weren't a hundred. They were, they were pretty adamant that like, hey, nobody who's had a bad test has ever been a good quarterback in the NFL. Yes, yeah, yeah, and that that's where like I don't know, man. Like the vibe I get off these interviews and these quotes that I read, like C.J. Stroud has rocked their world. These S two people, you know, it's yeah. a very very high profile failure of that test to do what, as you pointed out, <clears throat> these guys touted it would do, which is it doesn't a good score doesn't necessarily indicate that it's going to be a franchise quarterback because there's very few of those. But boy, did they say that a bad score sure is a great indicator that the dude is going to fail. And now the guy with one of the lowest scores has become the best rookie quarterback in the history of the league. The dumbest thing, though, too, was like for guys who are supposedly data scientists or at least you know sell themselves off as a data-oriented business, is that this test has been used for like six or seven years how many good quarterbacks have actually been produced in the last six or seven years? That's right. It's it's not as simple as like, yeah, we've got the reams and reams of data. Uh, the the outlier is that a guy's a good quarterback at all. So I just it's it's it. I don't want to say it's fraudulent, but it it's a valuable tool as long as it's looked at as just one of thirty other valuable tools. You know, yeah, and anybody yeah, yeah. like. And that's where you wonder if a guy like Dave Tepper, who maybe thinks he's smarter than he is, because let's remember, a lot of these hedge fund dudes aren't, aren't as smart as they are good salesmen, okay? So I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to be one of these people that fawns over hedge fund dudes like they're freaking brilliant. Uh, like the, the brilliant guys are often off doing other things. This guy's really good at selling hedge funds. Yep. Um, I feel like they. I, there's a good chance he was just built into the S2 test. Um. So... Mike Sando has an interesting nugget here, at least I found it interesting, about CJ and the S2 test. He says this, Mike Sando of The Athletic, he's a really yeah, by good the, NFL by the reporter. Way, yeah. 
Did you like the Wall Street Journal article? I'm not. I'm not, I can't create another account for the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, me neither. Pay for it. Okay. So I did. Did you read the actual Wall Street Journal? Article? I just read the aggregation of it, like okay, Florio's gotcha. aggregation okay. of it and whatnot. Um, Sando says this. I did hear from a high-ranking NFL team executive at the 2023 Combine that one of the quarterbacks had bombed the S2 test. The executive said at the time he felt, quote, <clears throat> it was an invalid take- – again, this is an NFL team executive – felt it was an invalid test because the quarterback seemed, quote, disinterested when taking it for whatever reason. <clears throat> at the time, Sando says, I wrote in my notes that the results in question did not pertain to several quarterbacks, including Stroud. But when I circled back with the executive during the season this year, he said the test results in question had indeed belonged to C.J. Stroud. I found that interesting. So, so, so Stroud was the one that this executive was describing as seeming, quote, disinterested when taking the S2 test. You know, uh, I, I, there's, there's two things about this that bother me. One is a comment one of our listeners made a few weeks ago, and is yet another classic example where at first I thought the guy was trying to argue with me, and I thought it was a stupid comment, and then I thought about it later, and I'm like, oh, crap. That was a really, really good point. And I think I held my tongue at least. So I was, I've, learned, I've learned to hold my tongue. If I think something's really stupid, 50% of the time it ends up being actually really smart, and I was the dumb one. So his comment was, well, like, let's look at this realistically. How much did it really hurt him with NFL teams? He got drafted number two overall. And I don't know why I had such a knee-jerk reaction of like, well, because it was bad. Um, I think that, like, who knows what the, who knows how the Panthers made their decision, whether it factored in that heavily or not. Now, the Panthers do subscribe to the S2 test results, whereas the Texans do not. Yeah. Um, but there is that. I. It was mostly something that was, played out in the court of public opinion but may not have actually may not have actually affected CJ's draft status at all yeah. because of that like with a lot of the teams just feeling like it was an invalid test or what have you it really might not have mattered the other part about it that it annoys me is that people keep calling it an intelligence test even even as they're saying that it's invalid i don't like people it's not an intelligence test and i i don't like people putting it out there to plant in people's subconsciouses that CJ like failed like an intelligence test dummy. or scored, yeah. scored low on an intelligence because it's just it's not even an intelligence test even though it's also invalid i uh, it's, it's annoying me there yeah. that people would put that out there um will anderson power ranked his head coaches where does D'Amico ryan stack up for will Anderson? this got a this got a big reaction in the interview room <laughs> yesterday uh over at nrg stadium that's next Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, Payne and Pendergast with you. This got a big reaction yesterday. Hey, Will Anderson, did D'Amico Ryans, as your head coach, meet your expectations? What you expected of him this year? um, Overly exceeded, though. Overly. And... I don't usually rank my all the head coaches I've ever had, but man, he show up there. I tell you, bro, like he got he might be number one, bro. Overcoat saving dog, like, bro, like, <laughs> bro, but like, <laughs> but no, nah, man, he's he's just a great dude. He's a really great dude, and I tell people all the time. He say, "How coach Ryan's?" I said, "Bro, honestly, bro, like, I view him as a coach, but I also view him as a player. Like, I view him still as like." He's just a captain on the team sometimes because that's the way he approaches us. Like, he approaches us like he still is playing the game. And, like, and I think that's why it's so easy for all of us to, like, comprehend and understand, like, how he operates and what he wants to get done because he commands that type of, you know, excellence and expectation and standard through everybody throughout the whole organization. And, I mean, when you have a head – and he's, like – He's like, co- like he can coach you. You know what I'm saying? Like he knows. Like he's been, in the, he's been in the league. He knows, and he knows how to coach. And that's the thing. Another thing that I respect about him, man. Like the way he cares about his players, the way he loves his players. He wants it so bad. And he just gives all that love and energy into his players. And I know it just makes us want to keep playing for him. That, that is a. As I listen to that, Seth, that's. I don't know. You you know better than I do. You're a former player. I hear that, and I'm like, man, that. Feels like a really tricky balance for me for D'Amico to strike to where he's God, the guy just feels like a player and he wants to get out there and yeah, we love this yeah. guy and he's got this energy. And at the same time, he's got to hold guys accountable. He's got to deliver bad news sometimes. He's got to be hard on these guys sometimes. Right. That's yeah. not easy to be that's that's not a that's not an easy balance to strike. I think it's one it's one of those things where it's it's easy if you're consistent and honest. You know? Um if you're not honest and you're not consistent. But you're also looked at like like Will is saying, almost just like a captain more so than a coach. Then people start to resent you real quick, I, and I think that's maybe where I don't worry about it with D'Amico is perhaps like a a young Pete Carroll. You know, Pete Carroll his first go around in the NFL was probably a little too soft on guys and didn't necessarily hold them to high standards. So what the you know, and he's talked about this when he went to when he got his second go around in the NFL he realized he really had to focus on the competitive side of things. And just basically his hammer was, yeah, we cut people, you know, or you'll lose your starting job. And it's as simple as that. He doesn't have to be a hard ass. The reality of the NFL is if you do your job and you do it really well, you get the, you get paid uh, and you get to stay on your team, you know, like, so that's, that's the ultimate hammer. And I think that D'Amico obviously isn't going to be bashful about cutting people or anything. It's just, no. that's what you do in the job. He doesn't, no, he's not going to be bashful about benching people. No, uh, no, you know, he wasn't this year. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That. Uh, so that part of it, I think that, uh, he creates, creates a desire by players to want to play hard for him, like to not let him down. And that's what works for him. Yeah. And that's just it. Like whatever, like there's a million different ways you can be a leader, and you got to find the the thing that works for you. And I feel like whatever D'Amico's particular blend of high expectations, but also uh, you know relatability to his players, it, it seems like the right balance. Well, and and something that struck me about D'Amico at his at his very first press conference as Texans head coach at the introductory press conference, he was saying things where I'm like, okay, you don't 
you don't hear a lot of NFL head coaches say these things, let alone actually do these things. And he said that, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said the reason that he got into coaching was to develop players, you know, and it was to make guys not just better players, but better people and better husbands and better teammates and all of those things. And I'm guessing yeah. there's head coaches who have said that before. I hear that cut at the very end from Will Anderson about the love that D'Amico imparts and the personal touch and things like that. And it sounds like, at least to Will Anderson, for sure, um, he's and, – and other guys we've heard from, too. Like, he's he's living up to that part of it. If he, The NFL just feels like it's much more of a meat factory than college. We hear college coaches say, yeah, we want to develop young men and things like that. Whereas in the NFL, it's a business. That answer by D'Amico at his introductory press conference talking about developing men and husbands, yeah. it, it does yeah. not feel very NFL-like to me. It doesn't – you know, it feels more personal. Yeah. Um... And I think that part of it, too, I guess Pete Carroll, like you go to Pete Carroll and some of the guys that are in the Pete Carroll tree, and I think they're more wired that way. Yeah. Uh, we just like they haven't been in Houston, so you don't see like the constant, almost annoying positivity from them. Uh, so I think it's more common than it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it all comes back down to like, OK, whether you think the guy's genuine or not. And there's plenty of players that, you know, dislike uh, like there's going to be players that dislike. D'Amico Ryan's just because because D'Amico Ryan's going to fire a bunch of people every single year and uh, a lot of them feel like they got screwed over they didn't get an opportunity or whatever that's just pro sports um you know and D'Amico D'Amico knows that uh, I, I think the, the important thing is that like the guys that you really want on the team um and the guys that are your leaders seem to be into him just hook line and sinker yeah and uh, like those are the, the the guys the guys that do perform and do respond um They'll they'll do a lot for a coach that they think genuinely cares about him, and it's a, and it's a big difference in the NFL. Like the one the one huge advantage some teams have over others is when they have more guys who are willing to play injured and who are tough enough to play well while they're injured. You know, some guys will go out and play injured, but they kind of like, they they feel like they got a built in excuse. The guys that want to play injured and don't look at it as an excuse for playing poorly. Um, Part of is that part of that is a in the acquisition process, but then b in just those guys wanting you know wanting to, the approval of their coach or wanting to you know to to meet their coach's expectations. Yeah, and I think we found out Will Anderson's one of those guys, right? I mean, yeah, playing through that ankle yeah. injury, playing through a high ankle sprain at the end of the year. Here's Will Anderson yesterday on the vets helping him get acclimated to the scheme. We have vets like rank. I know I'm, I just love talking about these guys because I don't think people understand how special they are, but we got guys like rank and JG and Jerry who knows the system and knows how offenses work. You know, they point out so many things. I'm like, bro, I didn't even notice that like the back over there, the back's going to do that. And it's so crazy. Like this tackle showing you this. And I would say like, that's how my game was taken to the next level. Like the second half of the season, just by recognizing those little things. So that was another theme of D'Amico yesterday too, was, uh, you know, somebody had asked him a question about himself as a player, and and um, and he said, you know, when he was a young player, when he first came in, he had a lot of veteran guys. Like with the Texans in 2006, the veteran guys all helped him, and he never had anybody that was like a veteran that didn't want to help him or anything. And that was his experience in the NFL. So that's just how he was as a veteran and as a coach. That he, I, I think he wants a team where the veterans are like that and where they are taking the young guys under their wing. And, and so much of that for a pass rusher, like with Will, he's talking about where the back is. You know, you can tell a lot about what, what the pass protection is going to be by where the back is. And uh, in the run game, you can tell what types of runs you can get by where the back is. And, and all that stuff, him adjusting his alignment, adjusting like the, his 
his angle he took at the snap, all that stuff, it just got sharper and way more efficient in the second half of the year. And a lot of that is because he had those guys, like because they, they brought in the types of guys. They re-signed Malik Collins. They brought in Sheldon Rankins, and those are the kinds of guys that help him out with stuff like yeah, that. And yeah. Jerry Hughes, obviously. Yep, yep. Man, I hope they're as good at sniffing out those qualities in one-year free agents this next time around. That feels like a lot of work every year. You know, if you got 10 or 12 guys that are big locker room guys on one-year deals, like going and replenishing that is a is is probably not easy, you know, sniffing one, that out. The one story I've always heard was the linebacker the Patriots signed. It was like after their first run of Super Bowls, when they entered that lull, that hellish period where all they did was go to multiple <laughs> AFC championship <laughs> right, games, right, right, but, but not no win Super any Bowls. Super Bowls. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, it was they had signed a line. Oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name. They'd signed a linebacker in free agency, and he was just a total turd of a personality. And that's when that's when Belichick decided, like, no, nope, that's it. No, never gonna, never gonna do this again. Was it when they drafted? Was it? Oh, okay. I was gonna say, was it when they drafted? No, he was a free agent. Oh, it was a free agent. Okay, I was gonna say, yeah. was it Andy Katz and Moyer um, that they drafted out of Ohio State? Did they draft State? Katz and Moyer? They did. They did. But I think Ted was Ugh. still on the team back then. Ted Johnson, our buddy. Um, Katz and Moyer was one of the guys that I looked at. That's when I really learned my lesson about guys who are middle linebackers in college on an awesome defense, but slow. You're like, man. No, just don't fall for it. This dude's just smart and knows where to be, yep. but he's not creating anything for himself. My God. Yep. Um, one more from Will Anderson. I feel like every company needs a Will Anderson. Here's Will Anderson on spreading love and positivity around the building. Let's just go show love. Let's just have energy. Let's just, wherever we walk by, whether it's a nutritionist, custodian, security guard that's at the front, like, how can we make them feel love for coming here, working for the Texans, the stadium, everything like that? So no matter who it is, and that's how you change the culture. That's how you get everybody, you know, wanting to be a part of something special. Like, they just probably over there just standing around. But you come in and you say, hey, how you doing today? I hope you have a great day. Now they look forward to coming back to work. You know what I'm saying? I think it's the same thing in the locker room. Like, that person may not be feeling the love. What's up, bro? You good? How you doing today? You good? Like, workers. They may have to be down. You don't know. And I think that's just one thing that's how you change a culture is just speaking to everybody, making everybody feel loved, no matter what your status is, no matter what your rank is. We're all in this together. We're all trying to change the culture. We're all trying to win. So just be as one, and we'll have fun doing it. So that that's an amazing quote. That was really good. Will Anderson's a great dude. I don't think Will Anderson will need to do this when he's in his 70s or 80s, Seth, but I hear that. I'm like, he would be the most amazing Walmart greeter of all time. Will Anderson. <laughs> like just coming up to everybody. You okay? You got this? You okay, I dude? like the lazy Walmart greeters. I don't no, want to. I'm willing I, to give I, Will Anderson a test spin I, on this one. I, he would be amazing. <laughs> Adelius Thomas is who I was thinking of. Adelius the Thomas. Patriots. There you go. Yeah, yep. Outside linebacker. Um People, people, that was a big fail for them. Now that I remember, it was a, no. You know how he found it? He's on the list of uh, biggest free agency busts in Patriots history. He's number one. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I think like and ever since then they realized like, all right, man, if we're gonna give a guy, if we're gonna guy bring a guy in from the outside, he better have like a Will Anderson type of personality. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not because whenever he, Mike Meltzer first said this, and I always I. It's one of those things that sounds so obvious, and yet you never think of it this way. Like by definition. When you bring in a free agent, you are overpaying because you're the high bidder. Like you are, like it's all most now, of the time. Yeah. Now usually, you you know, you can find bargains and everything at the mid tiers and the lower tiers, yep. and you, you you might get a real bargain. But the top tier guys, you are overpaying because you outbid 
everybody else. So you got to be super, super careful about it. Um, and like Will Anderson is the guy they would want. Adelius Thomas is the exact opposite. People mentioned Albert Hainsworth. No, Hainsworth, remember, was a, a very budget signing, and they tried him out, and they got rid of him immediately. But that might have been a lesson from – Belichick remained – he was comfortable taking risks on guys, but as soon as they realized they weren't a fit, they got rid of them. Yep. Yeah, they didn't waste any time. Like Jacked. They didn't try to rehabilitate a 31-year-old. It yep. would just be like, no, nope, that's it. We're done. Um, good text. Damn, I wish Will Anderson was my boss. <laughs> um, this team is different. This is another text. This team is different. My seats since day one are right by the tunnel. This year, something changed. The players hang out. They sign things. They take selfies. They toss gear up, uh, unlike any other year. Yeah, it's a good group of guys, man. I mean, by and large, the ones we interact with. I think part of it, too, is just that D'Amico, D'Amico, he's the first coach I've ever really heard say multiple times that he looks at it, his job is to kind of take some of the stress off the players. Mm-hmm. Like, he talked to Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud about, like, removing stress from them. Yes. And I do think, I think sometimes, this is a mistake coaches make a lot of times. And I know, like, I, I have the utmost respect for coaches. It's the hardest job in the world, like, teaching, coaching, anything where you're working with kids. And, um, but I think sometimes football coaches especially, because they're such disciplinarians, they are – they spend a lot of time coaching the worst player on the roster. Yeah. Or they spend a lot of time yelling at the entire team about the most irresponsible player on the roster yep. or the guy that doesn't take responsibility. And you're like, man, you're screaming. You're screaming at the entire team for the benefit of one dude who isn't listening to you. And there's 19 other guys that work their butts off that are getting made to feel like crap. Like, I, I think D'Amico understands that and, and tries to treat guys on a case-by-case basis. They're like, expects expects that they're going to perform well for him and everything. And if anything, like they put a lot of pressure on themselves and he needs to figure out how to help them with that more so than pile more on. Um, We got a big announcement coming up in about 15 minutes or so. So you're going to want to be tuned in for that. We're going to do it during crosstalk. So big announcement coming up. Also, um, former Texans quarterback spoke to current Texans quarterback on the field. What did he say to him? Cam Newton gets a little info out of a former Texans quarterback. That is next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, real quick, before we get to Cam Newton talking to Deshaun Watson, asking him how he felt watching C.J. Stroud out there piece up the Cleveland Browns and Houston fans loving on C.J. the same way they'd loved on Deshaun back in the day. Um, real quick news, this just came down in the last hour or so, according to Ian Rappaport, NFL Network. Bobby Slowick is going to have second interviews coming up here shortly with the Washington Commanders and the Atlanta Falcons. So those are two of five openings that remain. The five openings that are still remaining are Atlanta, Washington, the Chargers, the Seahawks, and the Carolina Panthers. So Bobby Slowick convincing Arthur Blank uh, that he can guide his his young quarterback, whether it be Desmond Ritter or somebody else, into greatness versus Bill Belichick convincing Arthur Blank that he can do it. Yeah. Who's more convincing? I don't know. I um, I feel like Bobby Slowick's got the better personality in an interview. I don't know that that's a high bar to clear. Although you hear things about Belichick, that Belichick at the podium is very different than Belichick in a in a private setting. you um, got to remember, too, Belichick uh, – 
Kind of a low-key ladies' man throughout the years. Uh, he's a smooth true, talker. True, He's a smooth talker, I think. I think he can yeah. turn... He can pour on the sugar when he needs to pour on the Kenny, sugar. Kenny, he also makes $20 million a year. All right? So he can- well, no, no, no. This goes, back to, this goes back to high school, his high school days. Oh, yeah? There was, yeah, in that book, uh, Better to be Feared or whatever, okay. one of his high school teammates said, like... like they're, they're like, this guy always had like a good looking woman with him. Okay, he's just like, it's, he's Bill Belichick. He yeah. looks like Bill Belichick, but he's always like, as a kid, he was kind of like a, even by high school standards, he was a short squatty offensive lineman. Yeah. And, uh, but he always had a hot chick with him. And then he, you know, he had a little, uh, was drama with a secretary while he was at the Giants. Mm-hmm. He wasn't big time head coach at that point. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe he's a smooth talker. Take it all back. I I, have, I I don't know then who it would be I feel between like Arthur. Arthur Blank looks like a smooth talker himself. He does. I feel with like a Ar- pencil thin mustache. Yeah. I feel like Arthur Blank looks at uh, at Bob Kraft and looks at like this dude married the boss's daughter. Uh, he talks like he's on Quaaludes. Yeah. And like meanwhile, I'm mother bleeping. Arthur Blank. Home Depot. I invented Home Depot. I founded Home Depot. Yeah, yeah. He's got to feel a little bitter for sure. So He's probably he wants to do with Belichick what what Kraft never could. Yep. It would take a while. I feel like I feel like uh, Atlanta. Atlanta might be a Justin Fields landing spot. Um, just you know, independent of Bobby Slowick and and Belichick. The one that I, if I were Bobby Slowick, the job I would want would be Washington. They've got the second yeah. pick in the draft. They got a ton of extra draft capital because they were selling at the trade deadline. They traded Montez Sweat. They traded Chase Young. They've got a lot of extra picks. They've got a new owner who has shown in his other jobs, his other teams he's owned, that he's very patient with coaches of rebuilding teams. Yeah, You're in a division where the other the good teams are kind of teetering a little bit right now in Philadelphia and Dallas. I mean, they're both very talented teams still, but there's... You know, the, the, the ground's moving a little bit underneath both of those teams. I think Washington would be the job if I were slowing. Can I ask you a question about sure. Josh Harris, the owner of Washington? Yeah. Because uh, I, I know you have some ties to, uh, to Josh Harris. Not directly, but you know people who work for him. Yeah. Um, I've seen a couple people make comments criticizing the Washington Commander's ownership. And I just want to be sure, the, the way they describe it, I think they're people who don't know that Dan Snyder is no longer the owner of Washington. Mm-hmm. Because like, it's almost, they, they talk about it. But it's weird because I feel like the franchise has taken on like such a stench from Dan Snyder yeah. that people just think Washington commanders and they think like, ah, horrible ownership. Like Josh Harris receives pretty unanimously positive reviews as an owner. Does he not? Oh, with the Sixers and with the, uh, the New Jersey devils. The absolutely. Devils. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I just wanted to be, I wanted to be sure. Yep. Like I told you before, sometimes I hear stupid things and it ends up being, I'm the one who's stupid. Yeah. I feel like these are genuinely stupid things that are being said. He's, okay. he's well gotcha. thought of. Yeah. He, he, he is well thought of. Well, plus that's another thing, by the way, I, man, an owner. I, I've, I've coaches who have coached for Green Bay have told me this. It's really, really nice that there are no actual owners. Like you, there is just zero interference. It's yeah. all football. Yeah, you know, you've got your oh, GM, like you've outside got your team businesses, president. and everything else. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like with Josh Harris, I feel the fact that he owns three professional sports franchises is actually a positive because I he probably runs it like a business, and he's got football people doing the football stuff, and they don't have to worry about meeting weekly with uh, somebody who wants their hand held through. Yeah, it ain't things. Dave Tepper. I, 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 I'll yeah. tell you that. Yeah. Um, All right, we have a big announcement coming up in just a few minutes. We'll do it during Crosstalk. Here was Cam Newton, who had Deshaun Watson on his podcast this past week. 
and asked him, hey, man, what was that like watching C.J. Stroud ball out in front of these fans that used to really love you? Can I ask a question that the people want to know? What's up? It make you feel a certain type of way that C.J. Stroud and Houston baller right now? Honestly, nah, it don't. How do you feel? Because how do I feel? You was, you, you was H-Town. You was H-Town baby like. Yeah. <laughs> the humanistic side can't take over. Not hating, but it's just like, right, right, right. Nah, nah, I ain't even, I ain't even that type of, ain't even that type of dude. You feel me? Like, I, <laughs> I ain't even that type of dude to sit there and just have any type of hate. Like, because I've I, I been there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I I, I I won a wild card game, there, you know what I'm saying? But like, yes, it just didn't, you know, it, it didn't go our way. Business is business. And, yes, you know, we, we parted ways. But like, for me to see CJ and like how you was with me. Yeah. I trained, we trained together. Like I yeah. came up, like CJ was the same way in California when me and Q was out there. Like he was right there with us. We yeah. got the same agent. Like from day one, I've always been like, right when he got drafted, take over H-Town. It's your city now. You know what I'm yep. saying? Anything you need, you got it. Like, I've all been that big bro, you know what I'm saying? In the yeah. distance where it's just like, yo, bro, handle, your, handle you what you got to handle. You feel me? Yeah, keyword, in the distance. Keep the distance. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I felt like you did a pretty good job answering No, he did. That. He I, did. I do think, it's funny, it's, it's really interesting I, I think it's almost gotten to the point in society where it's more of it's thought of an attribute if you don't care about things like about competing with other people or something that, or be sure that because of the online world, it's a it's a show of strength to not be bothered by things. Whereas I feel like it used to be kind of an old school sentiment that like, yeah, Brady and Manning didn't like each other, wanted to be better. Well, they liked each other, but they wanted to be better than the other guy. They could be friendly. And it doesn't get have to get framed as jealousy. Like I think about like Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Like whatever that competitiveness was, and they hated each other for a while. But then even after they liked each other and got to know each other, they still wanted to like there was a competitiveness there. And I feel like uh, I don't know. I, I I miss that. I miss a little bit of the old school. I want. I, I like. I said this about Lamar. This is one of the things that the Ravens people got angry about. Was uh, somebody had asked me a question? Asked. Uh, Lamar Jackson a question about C.J. Stroud and he answered and I said no I didn't detect any jealousy there but I wonder if he thinks like oh so this is the this is the new guy huh like which I thought of is like yeah you he's gonna want to compete with that guy like it's a natural competitive tendency and even after I literally said that he didn't seem jealous uh, I got lambasted by people who were accusing me of calling him jealous uh, like stop being so soft yeah why don't, you need to want to squash people well, it's, it's fine it's and it's interesting too because there was a there was footage yesterday that surfaced last night of CJ and Lamar hugging in the middle of the yeah, field after yeah. the game and they they were able to put a caption to it you couldn't really hear it but they put a caption yeah. to it and it was basically Lamar saying you're going to be here next year like basically saying you're going to be in the AFC title game soon yeah, like yeah. that kind of thing yeah, everybody's a little too friendly, man. Like I, the they jersey swapping and everything else. This is where I feel that's like an old man. That's why I like that Zaire Franklin bit. Uh, even as he was heaping praise on C.J. Stroud, he, he was, was talking pissed. about how he tries to actively hate his opponents. I like. I, I love this guy. Yeah, man. Uh, and I love him so much that now I have to work extra hard to hate him before the Texans play the the, the Colts next year. All right, we um we've got a uh, we got a big announcement coming up. Ben, Ben, get the music queued up. My music, you know my music. When we have good news, have you heard the good news? Um, John Lopez steps in here. Sean Pendergast, Seth Payne, John Lopez getting ready to take over with Landry Locker at the top of the hour. Um, the big announcement is we're going back. We are going For back. For the first time in four years, 
We're going to Vegas, baby. We are going to be on Radio Row the week leading up to the Super Bowl. I am so excited. All the coverage. All the coverage, all week, all the shows. I can't believe it's been four years. Yeah, a lot's happened in those four years. A lot has happened in those four years. We picked a good four years not to go, uh, and we picked a great year to go. Here's the key thing about going to Las Vegas, aside from it's Las Vegas. Do you remember when J.J. Watt was a rookie? I think the Super Bowl was in Atlanta. Uh, his rookie year was 2011. It might have been an indie joint. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it might have been Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Texans are going to be all over Radio Row. Yes, they are. All oh, over yeah, yeah. Radio yeah. Row. Uh, JJ was making rounds everywhere. You know they're going to have CJ Stroud. They're going to have uh, Will Anderson. And I'm just projecting. I don't know this. But the Texans are the it team right now. And... If I mean that's what I'm excited about uh, with Radio Way, it's going to be heavy hitters. Well, and even when we have guys on like Ian Rappaport and you know Schefter, who you know because those guys make mm-hmm. the rounds too because they're all pimping products these days as well. Um, they'll actually have solid, I would hope, educated, having actually used their own eyes to watch the Houston Texans yeah. takes on things. Yeah, that 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 to me is what the most My exciting hope. is about yeah. the thing is about uh, going to to Radio Row this year. Aside from we've we've got a chance to watch you know a couple of great teams. Obviously, uh, it's Las Vegas. All yeah. the all the pop culture stars, the music stars, yeah. they're not going to miss Las Vegas. Yeah, that's true. This is better than Minneapolis. Uh, from much that better. Yeah. And like we the can... Texans are the topic. Yes, huge, huge. Lopez and I can go watch Wayne Newton. I yes. want to watch Wayne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, okay. Donnie Osmond. Hey, are you going to almost die on a hike this time like you did in Arizona? I always like, God, I almost died on that hike. I invited <laughs> Seth, that bastard didn't go, because uh, he would have he said, let's just turn around. Sounds said, like he really missed out. <laughs> and I'd have said, okay, let's yeah. just turn around. Yeah. But by myself, I was like, I got to finish. I got to finish. I did. It's that desert air. You got to be careful. Oh, now. you're telling yeah. me. I, no, I mean, that's a, the fun. The fun part about it is I, I'll have to bring back selfies with Seth. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the uh, I would hope at least one of us gets arrested while we're there. Um, just so for the content. So, <laughs> yeah, for the content. Yeah. <laughs> Who's most likely? Do you care to handicap it? Ooh. I feel like Clint. You know, Clint's got like, Clint's got two little ones at home. He's the one, and Landry has a little one at home too. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the guys who have been kind of caged up with babies in their house lately. Yeah, oh, seem yeah. to be the Landry's shaking his head, but I'm just nah. Saying, that's like, my hood, dude. I've I've been going like this is my corner of the strip. I've gone there. I've probably been there twenty times. Like yeah. in the last, like in in that that little area is where I go three four times a year. I'm 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 just gonna be chilling. Dude. Okay. Uh, can I do a quick confession? I'm, I might go carb free and work out every day. I might, I might, I might zig while everyone else is zagging. <laughs> okay. Let's might not be all go water. crazy. Might be all water. Let's not go yeah. crazy. Uh, what, what would you like to confess? He just mentioned uh, Wayne Newton. When I found out we were going to Las Vegas, yeah. and Landry knows this is true because I was doing it during the breaks. I was searching Christina Aguilera tickets. She's, okay. she's oh. got a show in Las Vegas. She's got a residency. A residency in Las Vegas that started about a month ago, and I'm a big fan. What'd you find out? She's not playing until Friday, and we're leaving Friday. Oh, she plays. She plays like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Oh, you can good. stick around and spend the night with Christina. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's yeah. So it's it's gonna be fun, man. We're we're all gonna be out there, and it'll be obviously the shows will all be on Radio Row. 
We'll be posting 24-7 on social media, doing all kinds of stuff out there. And as you mentioned, John, I think it's a great point. The Texans are as big a topic yes. nationally in the NFL as they've been in any radio row that we've gone to over the course of our respective times here with the station. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, you know, Lopez, I'm glad you mentioned, though, the, like the actual Texans players themselves. Yes. Um, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a, there's a really good chance we'll end up getting some great interviews and conversations with all those guys because um, they'll be on site in the very – yeah, that's that's a great point. Yep. So shout out from the rooftops that uh, Sports Radio 610. And we thank Yingling Flight for sending us to Radio Row. We thank the Low T Center as well for sending us to Radio Row. They are sponsoring – this uh, this trip. So we big thanks to both Yingling Flight and the Low T Center. We will be headed there for the week of February the 5th through the 9th. Uh, Seth, antibodies to you, my friend. Antibodies, and I'm looking to get into at least three different new types of vice in Vegas. Okay, so <laughs> we can help you Start with making that. the appropriate calls, Landry. I'll handle the oh, That's, that's yeah. the first Uber ride, brother. That's, that's, <laughs> I, I, I know you go you go straight up to the second floor, Uber ride, boom, and then I'll get the Uber ride back. That's my routine, homie. <laughs> okay, you're good. Landry's got that. I got the gambling. I'll let Lopez figure out the other first vice. Right. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 